You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. Two weeks away from the NFL Draft. This time, two weeks from now, we will know who Brett Veach traded out of the first round with. Uh, here to talk to me about this upcoming NFL Draft. Find my find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. It's my dear pal, Jake Stack. Hello, my friend. How are we doing today? Very Merry Draftmas to you. Doing great. Feeling good. Two weeks away. You're at that point where you kind of start to get excited about it, but you don't really think about it because it's still kind of far away, but not really. You can see it. And it's also weird because the draft guide's out. So it's it's weird to just kind of be sitting on our hands like, well, Yep. <laughs> like I got no one to like you, you run, you sprint. It's like the last month is a sprint and then all of a sudden, boom, it's done. And yeah. you're kind of just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go watch this guy for fun. Yeah. Just, just cause I mean, that's, that's really what it is. It's like, you know, just kind of doing some stuff. Like, I think like this is the kind of the time of year we start having like a few regrets about some of our grades. Like we were probably a little bit too high, a little bit too low on some guys here and there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got, you don't have time to really, you know, you know, do everything you got or you get tape late and all that stuff. Like those who's, are the kind of things that we have to deal with off script real quick. Who's one guy that you've had like uh, a little oh. bit, not regrets, but just kind of like, Ooh, maybe I was low on him or maybe I was high. Oh, there was one last night. I like, well, I'll, there's one I like more than, than we're going to talk about him a little bit actually. So there's one there's one that that we're gonna talk about here in a little bit that I that I liked a little bit more than I thought uh, early on in the process. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll save that one. There's that's what we call a tease in the business. Someone asked me today or asked us on Twitter today, where do you have Derek Tuska from North Dakota State? And I was like, oh, I really like him. But then I looked at the guy, and I was like, oh man, he's like our 36th edge, and I was the primary grader on him, and I like North Dakota State. I was like, man. I hope I wasn't too low on him. I want my boys, but you never know. Yeah, never you know. You never know. You never know, man. It's just uh, the way yeah. the way things fall. Yeah. Hey, we'll see what happens with him. I don't know if he's a spags edge. I think I think I that saw was that him. was yeah that was kind of the big issue with him is yeah. looking through it through that. We do look at like these guys through lenses, you know, like. Uh, is this guy going to be a good fit for Kansas City? If if we don't think they are, I mean, how does that not affect kind of the way you look at them? So yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. No, for sure. Um, and by the way, if you want to buy the KC Draft Guide, it is still available. It is, it's ready. As soon as you buy it, you can download it and access it. You have two weeks to read up on all of it. 302 pages 
about the NFL draft and how it relates to the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got quotes from 70-plus prospects that will give you quotes on what it would be like to be drafted by the Chiefs. There's a chance that the first words you hear about a player being drafted by the Chiefs come from us from January or February. Um, we drove to... We, are, we, we traveled to Mobile, Alabama to the Senior Bowl to get quotes. We traveled to Indianapolis to get quotes. Uh, and we're really geeked about it. If you go to gum.co slash kcdraftguide2020 and get it, uh, you can get it there. Actually, I'm going to give you a promo code because you know what? Why not? We're feeling nice. We're feeling it's, it's draft miss. Uh, run it back because Bashad Breeland signed this week. Uh, or signed to, uh, on Thursday. Promo code Run It Back gets it for I believe seven dollars and sixty nine cents. So there's a little little discount for you. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do today. What me, Jake, Craig, and Matt did is we did a draft of forty players that we think could ultimately be selected by the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's a competition that we did. I think we did it last year actually, where we all like we picked ten players. Uh, whoever has the most wins. Do you want to tell? Do you want to tell oh. the people how many we got last year? <laughs> yeah, why not? We got one. One. <laughs> That's better than none. I think if you do, I think if you do the math on it, though, like I mean, there's what 350 players. Yeah, it's actually you know, not the, bad. It's actually all things considered, you get 40 to 350. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel that bad about it. But Maddie got Juan Thornhill right. So that's that's what happened there. Um, so I'm going to just kind of... We're, we're going to list out all of our players that we ultimately drafted. We're going to stop to talk about a few each uh, for each each group. So let's start with Jake's. Jake went with... He got Patrick Queen, Bryce Hall uh, out of Virginia, the cornerback. Running back Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland. Center Lloyd Cushenberry out of LSU. Wide receiver Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. Offensive lineman Hakeem Adeniji out of Kansas. Safety Antoine Brooks out of Maryland. But he's also got these three. And we want to just sit down here a little bit and talk about these three players. Uh, we'll start with Edge Jonathan Garvin out of Miami, Jake. Yeah, I think when you look at Garvin and what I mentioned earlier with saying, hey, looking at these guys through the lens of how do they fit in Kansas City, I actually took two edge rushers that I think would be really good fits in Kansas City. Um, they are both Spags ends, and Jonathan Garvin from Miami is one of them. Uh, powerful player. He's got a great athletic profile. He's got the density. He's got the length. Um, and he and he's also – he's not like a top really 100 type guy. Um, so I'm looking at him as more so like a day – you know, late, late day two, probably more so day three type guy that Kansas City might like and might take a flyer on because um, he's got the athletic profile that they love and they go after. Well, I think you did it smart here because I think that the Chiefs, that there's a chance like they could, like I think there's a couple players if they fall, if, if they fall in late in round one, I think I could see the Chiefs taking. But if they don't grab one of the guys we're going to talk about here, well, one of my guys is AJ Epinesa. I, I picked AJ Epinesa. If they don't take him like at 32 then I think they're going to wait till day three. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Jonathan Garvin, what what I echo everything Jake said, he's also only 20 years old. He will turn 21 in July. He's a young guy that you can get in uh, and develop. Uh, another guy that you had on your radar, Jake, Cheyenne O'Grady, the tight end out of Arkansas. 
Yeah, and he's an interesting one. And the the thought process that I had with him is, you know, he's a pretty athletic pass catcher. He's a smooth mover, and I think he's actually pretty proficient, um, especially as a pass blocker right now. Um, but one thing about O'Grady is he's got some off-field stuff. And I think when you look at the Chiefs' track record of if they go vet this guy and they're comfortable with him, because his off-field stuff isn't, like, egregious. It's He, he did leave the program, but... But it's described as he, him and the coaches basically didn't get along and they mutually parted ways like the last five or six games of the season. So he missed like half half of his last season at Arkansas. Um, but if, if, you know, Andy is okay with that and, you know, they get to the bottom of that and we've seen it in the past um, that they have been able to do that. Now, you know, ca- obvious caveat being this is a really weird draft class because they maybe didn't get the same opportunities to do that. But my thought process with him is, is he's a type of guy that could slide um, because he has some concerns, but the Chiefs have shown in the past that they're willing to take a gamble on guys like that if they're sliding. Um, so he's a guy that I think could really fit in well in Kansas City if he's sitting there you know, in the fifth round. I think he would be a pick that makes a lot of sense, could be a guy that you know, quite frankly has the potential and the tools to one day take over as a tight end one. Um, and in the meantime, I think he would be a very good compliment to Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I, you think about, like, let's, let's talk about Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid called Travis Kelsey. This is this is out there. You can find the story somewhere. Andy Reid basically called Travis Kelsey and asked him, was like, I'm going to pick you. Are you going to screw this up? I mean, they've, they've had a track record of, of being able to hold guys accountable that maybe were knuckleheads a little bit in college. Travis Kelsey has been pretty open about that one. Cheyenne O'Grady, maybe they follow the same trail with him. And because Travis Kelsey's here, maybe he's a guy that can kind of help show him around a little bit. Uh, all right, the final one of Jake's, uh, we're going to go with another edge. Maybe probably going to take be taken a little bit earlier than Jonathan Garvin, but not all that much. It's Jabari Zuniga out of uh, out of Florida. Yeah, and he's one of he's he's a my guy for me. And Daniel Jeremiah came out today and was talking about guys that he wants to uh, buy stock in. And uh, Zuniga was a guy for me. I, I really like his game. Um, everything I said about Jonathan Garvin, like you could say that about Zuniga as well. They're both freak show athletes with the size, density, length that Spags likes. Um, they're probably better athletes typically than what he takes, honestly. But they just so happen to have that length and density as well. But when you watch Zuniga, he's one of my favorite edges in this class especially those uh you know when you get past those top guys um you look at him and i I just see i see a chief's dn when i watch him i see a guy who maybe doesn't bend super well he does not have the flexibility but man oh man does he have the he's got the power in his hips and he the way he uncoils with his hands he's got really you know those heavy hands that he does a good job of controlling the offensive tackle in front of him with his hands um he does a good job of getting off blocks and making plays in the backfield uh he was hurt his senior year so he is a guy um that i think could only get better as well if they can keep him healthy uh so he is a guy that that really excites me not just for the chiefs but just in this draft in general i think he's a good player uh that's getting slept on a little bit yeah zuniga actually profiles a little bit better athletically than garvin and i think that's part of the reason you might wind up seeing him drafted a little bit earlier than garvin um and both are fine athletes don't get me wrong i'm not trying to discredit because i think i think garvin's actually got you know pretty quality athletic profile and good density zuniga ran a 4.6 440 so um and that's pretty good for him 
you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta like that if you're Zuniga. But yeah, I, I really did enjoy watching him. He doesn't. He, he's like right under one of the Spagnola defensive end thresholds, I believe. So like he's he hits like two thirds of them, and he's really close on another one. I think it's um, so, height height. I think he's like a yeah, quarter of an inch short. He might be like a quarter inch short or something like that. But he's really close. All right, we're going to move on to mine. Uh, here's seven guys that I took. I took Cesar Ruiz, A.J. Terrell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, A.J. Terrell is out of Clemson. He's a cornerback. Running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. Sorry, I'm going to make sure you guys know the positions. Uh, in Offensive lineman, Ben Barch out of St. John's. Edge, A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa. Cornerback, Stantley Thomas Oliver out of FIU. I think we might have talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, and running back, Antonio Gibson they're, uh, out of Memphis. Those are all guys that I took in my pool. But we're going to talk about three guys. I don't think we've really talked too much about to this point. Uh, but in one of them, we'll start with one. This is the guy that my opinions changed on a little bit as the process has gone on. Um, offensive lineman, Lucas Niang out of TCU. Uh, he is, uh, he's, he's a big, smooth moving athlete. Uh, and he's played through some injury issues. He played with a hip. He has one of the, like in 2019, he had one of the more unique pass sets. He was like backpedaling. And I, part of it might be because he was overcompensating for his hips, uh, or his hip injury. But when I watch him, I see a guy with the desirable length, desirable feet, you know, foot movement skills, and ability in space. He can get out. He can go out in the screen game. He can do all those things that you ask that are asked of him, you know, when Andy Reid's really humming, when the screen game is working, he's asking his lineman to get out there. Niang might even be able to kick inside the guard. I think that's a guy that potentially, you know, if you you could kick him inside for at least one year, maybe you 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 leave him in there or you you keep him outside. There's a lot of paths to the development for him, but I like him as a prospect. And, and you know, you, you've heard, you know, we're going to talk. I want to talk to Maddie about Josh Jones in a little bit. The Chiefs visited with Josh Jones. That's surprising. So just just something to keep an eye on there. Uh, all right. My next guy that we're going to discuss is Damon Arnett, a cornerback out of the Ohio State University. Um, he's, you know, he's a cornerback that we really haven't spent a ton of time on. Uh, I think there's rumblings of some character concerns out there with him, so that's definitely something that could potentially affect his draft stock. But uh, some he's got some pretty good tape. He's put some pretty good tape out there um, with some ball production. I think he's a high fo- high IQ football player. He's a guy that's willing to tackle. I think he's really good in zone coverage. I think he has a good understanding of zone coverage. He has a good understanding of zone co- of, of pass concepts route concepts. I think he sees the field cleanly and I think he acts decisively and he has to act decisively because his, 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 his athletic profile isn't particularly strong. It's, you know, it's, it's nothing to write home about. Um, it's, it's pretty average, uh, but that's okay. He's still a good football player. Uh, and I think he's kind of one of those guys that if you're looking at 63, you know, somewhere around that range, if the chiefs don't take a corner in the first round, I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense for them to go grab potentially at 63. Yeah, I actually, so I watched Arnett and I watched Jalen Johnson this week and they're two guys that I think they're pretty similar in the in the sense of they're both bigger guys with good ball production um, that I think would fit really well into an, uh, someone's zone scheme, um, which like the Chiefs run. So Arnett would be a cool, uh, especially at 63, because I think Jalen Johnson is going to go before that. Uh, so if you want to get a guy like that, like Arnett is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Someone that could probably step into Kansas City, even if it was like a late second round pick, 
pick if he's there and and start from day one just because I think he's a really good scheme fit there yeah for sure no he's uh he's definitely one of those guys um uh, let's. Uh, well, I got one more for you. It's Troy Dye, the linebacker out of Oregon. I'm not really sure if we've talked all that much about him to this point. I think we might have a little bit earlier in the process. Um, we got to talk to him at the at the combine. Uh, funnily enough, his girlfriend is from Kansas City. His, you know, so his his girlfriend, his girlfriend's mom. Uh, are both Chiefs fans. I thought that was kind of interesting. But Troy Dye fits in as your will linebacker. Uh, he's your coverage down. He's your you know third down backer. I think he's got plenty of coverage ability, um, you know, at least to fit Spag's criteria. Like he's like slightly under t- like the, the typical Spag's thresholds for, for weight and stuff. But I think he comes close enough. And I think he can, I think he can fill an interior gap if you asked him to. Um, it's not going to be his best quality, but... Um, I think he's got pretty good sideline to sideline ability, solid in coverage. He's one of those guys. I think if you look on day two, that's a guy that you can potentially target to play that will linebacker role. Um, I don't think there's a ton of them. And Troy Dye seems like a guy that might be able to do that. And a lot of people have talked about, you know, have you missed, did you, if you missed out on Fred Warner, you know, Troy, Troy Dye is a guy that kind of fits that mold. And I can see that to an extent of just kind of like a silky smooth type athlete. Um, but yeah, I, I like Troy Dye. I think he is getting slept on a little bit. Um, he is talked about quite a bit in certain, you know, in circles in the linebacker position as kind of in that second tier. Um, but I think in Kansas City, he would be a really interesting fit, especially especially at the the will spot. You know, when you're looking for guys that can run with tight ends, and uh, Troy Dye is that type of player. And I think he hit the nail on the head when you kind of talked about his athletic profile. He'd be a really interesting fit in Kansas City. Well, and like if if they don't address it early. There's not like it's it's Troy Die, it's a Logan Wilson, maybe a Malik Harrison. Like there's just not a ton of guys out there that are gonna be able to that, that typically that, that really fit what Steve Spagnolo typically covets. He likes two thirty five plus type players, even at his will spot. That's been his history. So you've got to kind of be mindful of that when you're looking at these guys. We're gonna take a break. We will be back with Maddie Lane to discuss his ten players right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You can find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. He's here to give us 10 players uh, from our little draft game. Maddie Lane, hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good to be the reigning champion of this game. Feels real good to be back here right <laughs> one along. You know, you may be the Hollywood movie star. Jake oh, may have the best beard out of anybody in this group, but I am on the throne of this draft game winner for at least the first season. So it with feels pretty point. darn good at this with point one, in time. With one point. How many it points did you get, Kit? Zero. 
I think you know, like I, I was, we were talking about earlier. Like this game's kind of hard because you, there's a pool of 350 players. We have you know some ideas and guesses based on fit, but like there's still 32 teams vying for these guys, and so you know, I, I think you, and depending on how you play the game too. Like I try to like maybe like I kind of try to load up on day day two type guys mostly. And just kind of see, okay, you know, like I could see some of these guys falling on day two. Like I'm hoping that I'm kind of swinging for like one or two points. Like that's really what you're swinging for. There's only so many picks you could make at 63. Uh, but let's go ahead. We're gonna list off, you know, your your ten. But we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about three at the end. Uh, the the first seven: Christian Fulton, the uh, cornerback out of LSU; Jeff Gladney, the cornerback out of TCU. Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama. You're just trying to hit on round one. Uh, safety Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois. Safety Grant Delpit out of LSU. Tackle Sadiq Charles out of LSU. Cornerback Amik Robertson. That's an interesting group, but here's three more interesting players. Hold on, hold on. I got to go through my strategy real quick because you want to cut this round one shade. Like you said, I am the reigning champion here. So I feel like my strategy is viable. The goal is to get one or two points. That's why these are all round one guys. I got the look, I got the market. We're about to hear some more names. I got the market on cornerback in round one sands like one guy. There's only like one corner the Chiefs could take in round one where I don't feel comfortable and I'm getting the point. That was the goal. I also loaded up on some safeties. Again, round one, maybe early round two guys for that same reason. Then threw some shots in there of guys I think the Chiefs have met with at the end. And then, of course, my favorite, Amik Robertson. But yeah, my strategy is 100% to hit that first, maybe second pick, and then just expect you guys to miss everything else just like last year. <laughs> well, you are following the, uh, the visit trail here. Because you're you're rolling with Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston, which was surprisingly the Chiefs visited with him uh, reportedly this week. Yeah, the Chiefs are coming off a visit with him, and it sounded like it went pretty well. Now, you don't know how much of that is agent speak or anything like that, but it sounded like it went pretty well. And normally, I would have even skipped over Josh Jones here at this point in time just for the simple fact that I think that he's probably gone. But lately, you're starting to hear a lot more talk about guys like Ezra Cleveland, Austin Jackson that may be climbing up the board a little bit in the first round. There's a chance Josh Jones, not super athletic of a tester, falls a little bit. He's sitting there at 32 because some other tackles went. You already have seven tackles off the board. Maybe he falls for being a little less athletic than these guys. Chiefs sitting there at 32. Eric Fisher's expensive. His contract's up in a couple years. Mitchell Schwartz, not as expensive, getting a little older, but his contract's up in two years. Maybe you start thinking about a replacement. Maybe it's for 2021, maybe 2022. I don't know. But Josh Jones, he's a good tackle. He's ready to come in and play pretty early. But if you give him a year to redshirt and really clean up his hands and his feet so they work together, I think he's a starter by next year and a quality starter at that. Yeah, it's a redshirt kind of pick, but just the talent at 32 would be absurd. Yeah, and you basically you stole my takes is because that's exactly what I was going to say. Like this would be a, this would one hundred percent be like a twenty twenty one pick. This would be hey, we want to replace uh, Mitchell or Eric in the, within the next twelve months because you know he is the type of guy. And we talked about like Niang too. Same kind of deal. Like who can you bring in that can sit in redshirt for a year and be a high level starter for you down the road? Like uh, Josh Jones is is that type of guy. I agree that I doubt he's there. Um, but we are hearing like a bunch of offensive tackles like in the top 25, which could very well happen. It could like that is such a starved position in the NFL. Like it, that wouldn't be wild to have like 
what eight offensive tackles off the board before 32 that would be kind of wild but but not unheard of so uh josh jones being there at 32 would be interesting but if the chiefs pulled the trigger on it um i think a lot of people would raise their eyebrows and then you know it would be one of those picks that you kind of have to talk your way through but um at the end of the day would make a lot of sense well i mean i think there's a realistic chance that josh jones is the best player available and I mean, he's 20th on our board in the KC draft guide. And I mean, he's like, I think right now the Chiefs just signed Brashad Breeland back. They need cornerback depth for the future. They need a will linebacker and they need offensive line help. So maybe I don't, I don't, I doubt that they try to kick Josh Jones inside. Like that doesn't seem like the move you redshirt him and you just let him, you know, so you can move on from one of your tackles in 2021, but they don't have, like they have three noticeable needs and they definitely need depth and they definitely need to be looking out for 2021. This is a guy that can step in. You're, you're right, Matt. He could step in in 2021 and play right away. Uh, okay. One of the cornerbacks that, uh, that, that Matty Lane was talking about Jalen Johnson out of Utah. That's one of your other picks, Matty. Yeah. And Jalen Johnson is a guy that I was a little slow to come around on because some of the film you watch, I think you see him in trail technique a lot and he doesn't always look like he has the speed to keep up with guys. He just looks like he's lagging behind. And then other times he looks plenty athletic and it was just this weird, I wasn't sure what to make out of it. What was he doing? Got to see some better stuff. He definitely was in trail technique for a reason. He was being asked to play as like a cover two trail quarterback a ton. And then he was often in zone. He was often a man. He played a lot of everything. I really liked what I saw from him coming off the line of scrimmage, staying patient. I loved his eyes in zone. I don't think he's super technically refined right now, which is probably the best part. His zone spacing can be a little off. He doesn't have great width or depth on some of his drops, but at the same time, he's just got natural instincts where he jumps on routes all the time. And then if you want to put him up on the line, ask him to cover a guy in man coverage, he's got the ability to press with them, that fluidity to turn and run with these guys. I like everything he brings. And I just think the length instincts and ball skills which are top-notch. Like, I think they fit perfectly with Steve Spagnuolo, and then he just, unlike the corners they have now, has the ability to play man coverage if they want to switch to that. Yeah, I talked about uh, Jalen a little bit earlier when we were talking about Arnett, but uh, you're going to notice a theme here with these corners that we're talking about as high fits to Kansas City and Jalen Johnson. You know, is that big, lanky, physical zone corner that Spags loves. So um, I don't have anything else to say about Jalen Johnson. I kind of compared him to Arnett earlier, so uh, can't. Yeah, Jalen Johnson's a guy that my opinion has changed on as the process has gone a little bit too. And like I echo a lot of what Maddie says. I think I think John Jalen Johnson's better the closer he is to the line of scrimmage. So like I do have some questions. Like some of his zone awareness issues I think happen down the field on the vertical stuff. But if he's getting to drive down on the football, if he's getting to make plays underneath, uh, and if you know if he knows he's got help. Uh, over the top, yeah, he's he's a really enjoyable football player to watch. I I I do think he's got you know good length, good athleticism, good ball skills, um, a good sized kid. He does he really profiles well as a Steve Spagnolo corner. Wouldn't be surprised to see him take him on thirty two that at thirty two in the first round. All right, and he's made the interview circuit lately, just on a bunch of different podcasts or doing little film things. Just hearing him talk just about his film study and things that he thinks he does well or needs to work on, it's made me like him even more. And just like those interviews just hit at the perfect time, coming off me really liking what I saw on film, then to hear a guy kind of talk about his own play but be critical and confident at the same time. Like it was just a good timing for me to hear those interviews. I heard those interviews a month ago. I probably 
probably just gloss over them because I wasn't loving his film as much. So just the whole combination has really brought Jalen Johnson well up in my quarterback ranking. And that's one thing that's important to talk about too with him is when you watch his film, he's one of the guys that you can kind of tell he's a film junkie. Like the way he plays, yep. um, he, he he definitely knows what's going on. He's not a dumb player at all because um, he can jump routes and you, you see the ball production. And a lot of that is because he's in the film room. Um, he's stu- he's studying his opponents, and it's just something that jumps off the page when you kind of watch him. It's just how intelligent of a football player he is. All right, uh, you know, Maddie keeps swinging on these cornerbacks that are probably going to go in the top fifty, hoping to land on one. He's all in on the cornerback early bandwagon, and he grabbed cornerback Trevon Diggs out of Alabama. And this guy, this fits exactly what I think Jake was talking about. I think Jalen Johnson a little bit, or a lot more so, maybe even Arnett a little bit, can play some main coverage. Like, they're a little bit more versatile. Trevon Diggs is a zone corner through and through. We're probably talking a cover three guy. Some people even want to move him to safety. I think for the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo, he would fit perfectly at corner. But he's your typical big, physical Alabama cornerback that plays in that shuffle technique. He can beat guys up off the line of scrimmage, no problem, but anything going vertical, you know, you want him getting off on the shuffle and then playing the ball. So I really like him specifically for Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. He's still transitioning from a wide receiver to a cornerback. So there's some mental laps in there. There's some issues playing the ball through the air, you know, a couple tracking issues. But what he does really well is you can see you can see the wheels turning. You can see him picking up on things at the cornerback position. You'll see him jump down, drive on a play underneath that most cornerbacks with his lack of experience want to do. So like, I think things are flipping on. His brother, Stefan Diggs, obviously has success in the NFL. You don't want to put too much weight into that, but there's a little bit. So just Trevon Diggs, a guy that I think is a Steve Spagnuolo-specific pick. I, yeah, and Diggs, like, just so, you, so to get a picture here, our corners that we've talked about today, Trayvon Diggs is cornerback seven in the guide. Jalen Johnson is cornerback eight, and Damon Arnett is cornerback nine. Um, so those guys are all in that range um, for the Chiefs, top 50 type guys that could be there for them at 32. Probably wouldn't be too early for any of those guys, and they'd hope for their – Hope for him to be there at 63, I think. But Diggs is an interesting guy to me. I I, I personally like him better as a safety because I think, um, like you said, he is like a zone-type guy. I think he plays much better uh, when he can keep kind of his eyes, kind of keep everything in front of him, and he can see things develop. I mean, it's interesting, too, because he was a wide receiver coming out, and he was like a highly recruited wide receiver. Too. I think he was like a four- or five-star receiver. And it's interesting that he struggles to track the ball in the air right. because you you would think that's something that would be natural for him, but it isn't. If you watch him, it is not. Um, so that's an interesting thing with Trayvon Diggs, but um, w- would I be shocked if he's the pick for the Chiefs? Nope. I would be annoyed because then Maddie would probably win again, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, I think that's a swing. I think that's that's what that is. That's that's kind of a swing for a for a for a you know pretty um, a, a potentially you know solid player at the cornerback position. Matt, thanks for joining us. We'll jo- we'll talk to Craig here in a second. You can find him on Twitter. At Barley Hop. You're going to find him in the Derby newspaper later this week. I'm assuming it's this week. I don't know if it's going to be this week. Craig Stouts, when it, when's the when's the article drop? I don't know, but let's not try and deflect off of your bright, <laughs> shining light, Kent. Kent, who's going to be on your TV in Kansas City some more. He's not done. His well, beautiful face that, and hair will be all over your... 
your television coming up here, so keep an eye out. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, all right, we've all done our 10 players. It's it's Craig's turn to be put under the spotlight. Uh, we're going to give his seven players, the first seven players, and we'll just talk about the final three. Uh, okay, he went with offensive lineman Damian Lewis out of LSU, cornerback Michael Ojemudia out of Iowa, linebacker Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, Offensive lineman Matt Hennessy out of Temple. Wide receiver Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. Uh, offensive lineman Bob Hunt out of Louisiana Lafayette. Running back Josh Kelly out of UCLA. And now we talk about three players that we really haven't spent a ton of time on. We'll start with John Greenard. Another defensive end out of Florida has made the list today. And he's huge. He's a perfect Spags fit all the way down the line. I know we talk about that a lot about how Spagnuolo will not take guys that don't fit certain criteria. John Greenard fits them all. He plays with power. He is long. He's got a very high motor. He is very fun to watch because he will chase through the entire play. He plays through the echo of the whistle. That's a Spags guy. That's a guy that's going to bring an intensity. It's going to bring some power, set a good hard edge. He's not necessarily going to be the most bursty, bendy pass rusher that there is out there, but he's got a pretty good toolbox. Like I said, he's got that length in him. He just kind of fits along with the rest of the moves that Spagnuolo has made in his time at Kansas City so far. It's funny because we talked about, Craig, we talked about Zuniga earlier on this draft, on this pod and how we're hitting now on both Florida ends. And it's when you watch these two guys, they have a similar play style because they both play violently. But uh, Greener is like the non-athletic version of Zuniga, which actually, <laughs> when you look at what the Chiefs have done at their end, at the edge position, that kind of fits their MO a little bit more. They don't really care about what type of RAS you have. They care about how... You know, how, how stout are you? How, how heavy are your hands? How, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I could see Greener being a, actually a pretty decent fit in Kansas City um, because, like, it is kind of funny that him and Zuniga really are very similar, except one is, like, a 9.5 relative athletic score guy, <laughs> and the other is probably, like, a 2. Like, Greener is not a good athlete. But, yeah. hey, <laughs> but hey, he, pl- but he plays, 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 plays a strong player. Yeah, I mean, Greenard's more of the power player of the two, and he has to be the power player of the two because of his athletic profile. Well, he had um, much better, he, he, way better stats, too, in college. Like, he was a much more productive player. He was. I mean, he had 10 sacks. Greenard did, and I think Zuniga had three. So there is more production to, to Greenard's name. Um, you know, he, 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 I think he started his career at, at Louisville, if I remember correct. He followed Todd Grantham uh, to Florida. If I if I remember correctly, so um, I like I like Greenard though, and he does he fits a lot of the, a lot of the profile. Uh, Craig, this is we're gonna we're gonna talk about a guy we haven't really discussed in a long time. I think we haven't really discussed him since the Senior Bowl, and this is a guy that you started watching in like July. Mm-hmm. Kendall Vildor, the cornerback out of Georgia Southern. Correct. Uh, I, I love, think I said Georgia State a while back. That's I think why you I was did. making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kendall Vildor is one of my very favorite cornerbacks to watch in this draft class. And he's a small guy. I mean, he comes in at 5'9", just barely over that criteria where the NFL will kind of consider you. But he has the third longest arms in this class right behind Trayvon Diggs and Bo Pete Keys. Like, he's even with Bryce Hall, Michael Ojemudia level arm. So he's got that, and he tested through the roof, had a 39 and a half inch vertical. So his play length 
is significantly more but what I love about Kendall Vildor is his tenacity and his strength. If you want a guy to play cover two and be an underneath apex defender, just kind of sit on everything underneath and blow up everything and be a willing participant in the run game, Kendall Vildor is your guy. Now that's not saying that he can't run. He ran a 4-4-40. So he's got plenty of speed, but he is a guy that's just tenacious. Just a little stiff, probably gonna go in day three, but I would love to have that kind of football character and the, the frankly, a pretty good athlete that Kendall Vildor would bring to my squad. I, I'm here for the puns that Kent Swanson would have every single time Kendall Vildor made a play. Oh, he read the defense that time. Oh my. Really, really read the quarterback's eyes. Never mind. I'm gonna uh, change my pick. Uh, we, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> Ken's sitting here covering his face, like uh, embarrassed, but he he's actually covering his face yeah. because he's think he's thinking of puns already. But Vilder, I'm not as big of a fan of him as Craig is. Um, I watched. He's another guy. I really spent a lot of time on the corners this week because unfortunately I wasn't able to watch them. Um, going through the process, but th- he, he he seems a little stiff to me as for like in the hips. Like I really like corners that have like those oiled up hips, and he doesn't really have that. Like he tested pretty well, but when you watch him, um, he doesn't change directions to me on tape very well. So uh, he's a guy that I think if you're going to put him in a zone scheme, um, I, I really like guys that have that like that awesome click and close. And he's it, I just didn't see it for him. And you talked about his tenacity. Uh, Craig, and I'm actually I'm looking at your write up right here, and this is something that's interesting to me because I didn't know I didn't catch this part, um, but I'll, a little excerpt from here. He goes, he will argue with referees <laughs> and can be seen getting animated with the coaching staff on the sidelines. Can you, do you care to speak about that a little bit? He just cares so much. He was a team captain, and his his coaches said often that he would come to the sideline frustrated and would sit down with his secondary coaches, defensive coordinators, and would be very animated in what he felt like that they should be doing. Not in a way that he's necessarily overstepping his bounds, but he was a guy that felt like he needed to have input, and they gave him input, and they felt like that was a beneficial thing, but it's not going to work in every defense. So it's like in an interview when you sit down and they say, hey, what's describe to me one of your biggest weaknesses, and you say... (laughs) Sometimes I just care Sometimes too much. Sometimes I care too much. You got <laughs> hey. hot temper. Hot temper. I'm not knocking it, but I, you know, I think I don't think Vindel, Vid, Vildor plays small. I like when I watch him. Sometimes I don't. I think he plays bigger than he is. Let me rephrase it. I don't think he doesn't play small. I think he plays bigger than five nine. And maybe some of that's his length, and maybe some of that's just the competitive toughness. But I do think sometimes, like he I, he does not use his his size as an excuse. I do like the football character. I like the competitive toughness on the field, the willingness to tackle. Um, you know, it's good that you know we haven't really had a chance to talk about Vildor in a while, and it's good that we were able to rekindle that conversation. Oh my goodness! And just moving on, it ends on that one. <laughs> What do you have, Craig? I was gonna say he plays that nickel, nickel safety drop role really well. Like, but you're right that we should have ended on. You should have let me transition to Terrell Burgess, the defensive back out of Utah. You should have let me drop the mic on that wonderful pun. But no, you had to get a real football taken. Why don't you tell us about Terrell Burgess? 
Kent Wet became blanket. a star, and now he's going to kick me off the podcast. <laughs> Terrell Burgess is one of a litany of Utah players from that defense that's coming out in the draft that's going to get drafted. And Burgess, we saw play a little corner at the Senior Bowl. We saw him play a little safety deep. Much like Kendall Vildor, he could fit in that slot role or a safety role. I know he's listed as a safety here, but he's got the experience playing. It's deep safety, box safety, slot corner, dime linebacker. He played all over that defense. And that's a kind of versatility that we've talked about a lot in Spagnuolo's safeties that he looks for that would be a big addition, kind of a Kendall Fuller-ish addition there. I think Terrell Burgess, especially in day three, makes a ton of sense. He's gotten a lot of push lately because of that versatility up into that day two marker. That's where people are talking about him. But if he is able to kind of fall a little bit, I could see him getting drafted by the Chiefs. The only problem is he's got 29-inch arms. He is pretty stubby, so that kind of goes against Spagnolo's typical looks, but if he's playing him at safety, maybe he can get away with it a little more. And I, I like Burgess a lot. I think when you talk about guys that are ball hawks and can get their hands on the ball, he only had one interception his senior year, but he's like a true cover one type safety, and I'm not looking at him as a corner um, I think he's a safety at the next level. And I think when you talk about him in Kansas City and you say, hey, our three safeties are uh, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, and Terrell Burgess, you have three of the best coverage safeties trio in the NFL. Like that is, That's impressive that you can do a lot with those guys. You want to roll out five receivers. You don't need to take one of them off the field. Um, so I think that'd be a really interesting fit just because they all move so well and they all can cover so well. I mean, you got ball hawks on the back end then too. So as far as they fit in Kansas City, like, yes, if he's sitting there day three, oh, man, like that would be – that he'd be a hard player for me to pass up for Kansas City. Day two, eh, maybe not, you know, but when you get into that range later on, yes, he would be a guy that would start to become very, very enticing. The funny thing is I've seen Terrell Burgess mock to the Chiefs at 32 – the hardest of passes, if that were to happen. Uh, I mean, I just, no, I can't do it. I do, I do want to, uh, we did get a quote from him. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just sneak a quote in there. We got a quote from Terrell Burgess on what it would be like to be drafted by the Chiefs. Um, he said that would mean everything. They play very well and they're in the Super Bowl for a reason. This was before the Super Bowl. So, obviously, uh, I like the versatility and I feel like I'd fit right in and could help them out next year. You know what, Terrell? We think so, too. I think there's a chance you could. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's AP Draft Show. We have one more AP Draft Show before the draft. What a time flies, guys. Uh, thank you to Craig. Thank you to Maddie. Thank you to Jake for joining us. We will catch you next week. Be sure to listen to the AP Laboratory on Monday.